0: This message comes from NPR sponsor, Hulu. Don't miss the new docuseries, Black Twitter, a people's history. From memes to movements, see how this powerful online community shapes culture and society. Black Twitter, a people's history, is now streaming on Hulu. Hey, y'all. This is Sam's Aunt Betty. This week on the show, Karen Grigsby bates correspondent for NPR's Code Switch team, and Eric Deggans, NPR TV Critic. All right, let's
1: start the show. Yeah. Hey, y'all, from NPR, I'm Sam Sanders. It's been a minute. Happy weekend to all of you listening and to both of my guests. Eric Deggins, TV Critic for NPR, and Karen Grigsby-Bates, correspondent for NPR's Code Switch team, covering race, ethnicity, and culture. Thanks for being here. You're welcome. I can now say that I've made it because Aunt Betty said my name. She said your name, yeah. <laughs> We're also joined by Katy Perry and her song, Dark Horse, You know this song,
2: right?
1: Yeah. It's a pretty Uh, good song. um, I don't know if it's worth $3 million, but... (laughs)
3: Well, you know what I'm talking
1: about. (laughs) I am playing Katy Perry in this song, Dark Horse, because this week she was ordered to pay out $2.78 million for copyright infringement. A jury has ruled that this song sounds too much like a 2009 Christian rap song called Joyful Noise. I love Karen's head bop right now. (laughs) It's so skeptical. You've always been a Christian quite a few years. Victor Regan. I don't know if this I don't. I wouldn't think that that's the same song
2: It doesn't sound anything like the first song A little bit of a
1: That similar? But that's like
2: standard rap
1: whatever well, This is what Katy Perry's team said They said that these Christian rappers Are trying to own the basic building blocks of music The alphabet of music that should be available to everyone they were like, no, this is I, just common I think, stuff. I think the case against blurred lines was a much clearer. Oh yes, um, yeah, oh yes. Yeah. This, yeah. this. I, I'm not hearing this. Three million dollars could be worse for Katy Perry. I still like you, Katy. I still like that song, Dark Horse. <laughs> That's pretty much know. a rounding error on her wardrobe budget.
3: Yeah.
1: Anyway, uh, that quirky news story out of our system. We're going to talk about the news news now. We're going to start the show, as we always do, asking each of our guests, and myself too, to describe our week of news in only three words. Karen you're going to go first. Through the magic of pre-production, I kind of know that you're going to talk about race and Trump. And it's particularly salient right now because we're ending this week seeing one of the few black GOP members in Congress, Will Heard from South Texas, say that he is not going to run for re-election. He just
2: threw up his hands and said, yeah. I'm done with and, you
1: people. And lots of folks are saying it's because of Trump and race. So with that, what are your three words on Trump and race?
2: Uh, they are charm, city, clapback. Charm City being Baltimore. Charm City being Baltimore. And so uh, Trump, he's angry with the representative uh, from Baltimore, Elijah Elijah Cummings, Cummings, who also heads the House Oversight Committee. Mm -hmm. And the Oversight Committee has been looking into several Trumpian things. A lot of Trump stuff. And so he basically tweeted... Cummings should mind his own business, go look at Baltimore, which is horrible and rat infested. Yeah. and No human being would want to live there. Yeah. Uh, with the predictable result that a lot of Balamarians were very <laughs> offended at that. Yeah. Well, and it's uh, like, like we're human beings. We live here. Yeah. What's wrong with he you? He
1: tweeted those things and he doubled down in comments after that. Yes. And it's just been really interesting to watch the way the city has responded because they. Didn't just let this wash off their back. Um, the Baltimore As
2: Baltimoreans are yeah. what to do. They are yes. fiercely defensive yeah. of their city. They're proud of it. Yeah. They do say it has some problems, but it didn't merit what the president did. And the editorial board of the Baltimore Sun, which mm-hmm. is one of the oldest papers in the nation, yeah. did an editorial that was just scathing. They said in better its to... response to Trump, yeah. they basically the sh- called the sh- him a rat. The yeah. short. <laughs> Its last line was better to have some vermin living in your neighborhood than be one.
1: So then my question coming out of Baltimore's Mm clapback, coming out of Will Hurd's retirement, coming out of this lingering insistence of Trump to talk about race in a really combative manner What is the best response to it going forward for consumers of news, for voters, for politicians in either party? Like, this is going to keep happening, it seems.
2: Well, I think with the Sun and with the Baltimore people, they sort of invoked the Popeye principle, you know? What is the Popeye principle? all I can stands and I can't (laughs) stands no more. And so they spoke back. Yeah. That's not going to happen every day. You can't maintain that level of
1: outrage every day. It's tiring.
2: Yeah. It is worth keeping an eye on it.
1: I am most troubled about the way in which Trump makes our conversation on race really, really basic, because you end up having these conversations for a week or two at a time where the conversation on race is that was racist or that wasn't racist. And you're not actually having deep conversations on things like reparations or segregation or, or how, you know, money and Redlining. various systems yeah. inform these things because, like, now all of the energy about our conversation on race is just, don't say that. That's really mean. I, know? I, 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 don't,
3: I don't agree. I yeah? don't agree. Um, that's not, those aren't the kind of conversations that I've been having, you know, particularly in social media. And, you know, the Kamala Harris moment against Biden inspired a lot of talk about busing. Same thing with Trump saying these things about baltimore there's been all of this discussion about why that stereotype exists why it's not fair uh what baltimore really is as a city uh it's a jumping off point and and sure you know on in cable newsland, they're focused just on whether or not it's racist or not but you know we're now talking about reparations during candidate debates we're now but
1: that's not because of trump that's because of
3: uh, I mean, you know, Trump. You know? Trump is putting race on the table in a yes. in a way that has that is inspiring a lot yeah. of different discussions and and discussions that we kind of need to have as a country. And so it's it's unfortunate that it's happening the way it's happening, but it's needed to happen for a long time. So it's happening. Yeah. Um,
1: I have three words. They are talk about coal.
2: Oh, fossil fuel.
1: Well, Why? there's a really <laughs> interesting coal, coal story in the news this week. Oh. Uh, so coal miners in Harlan County, Kentucky. Oh. They've been camped out in front of train tracks this week, blocking a train full of coal from moving. Uh they are protesting their former employer, Black Jewel, is one of the country's largest coal companies. They declared bankruptcy earlier this summer, but like before they totally shut down, the last checks they sent to workers bounced. Bounce. Yeah. And so these workers were like, out of luck. And it's actually part of this larger trend. Um, according to Axios, since 2017, at least eight major coal companies have declared bankruptcy. Right. And no one is talking about it. Yeah. You know, what is that really
2: about? It's sad that this is happening for people in Harlan County because – Harlan was the site of a particularly contentious union fight with the coal owners in the 70s. And a famous documentary called Harlan County USA USA. was done uh, in the 70s. It received all kinds of awards. But you could see the working conditions, the everything else, and how people were just trying to hang on to say, we're not disposable, we're not cogs, our family needs to earn a living, and you need to do well by us, do better by us than you have been.
1: And market forces are moving in different directions. Yeah, like yeah. even some of these big companies that used to love coal energy, they're just moving away from it for other alternatives. And like no matter what you really do, it's hard to change those trend lines. You know, we've seen the Trump White House uh, cut some restrictions on what coal powered plants can do, and that right, was right. thinking it would beef up the industry, but not enough to prevent these big shifts. You know? Well, I grew up in uh,
3: a steel town, Gary, uh-huh. Indiana. As the bottom was falling out of the steel industry. Mm-hmm. And there's not much you can do when the world's markets decide they're going to get that material some other way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I saw this happen in my own hometown where steel workers were trying to get jobs at McDonald's. Yeah. You, There was a two-year waiting list to get jobs at fast food joints because yeah. there was this flood of workers who'd been laid off who were desperate for employment. And at some point, yeah. you know, that's what happens.
1: Yeah. I just, it is really weird to me as someone who covered all of the last campaign cycle when it was cold, 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 and now radio. Silence.
3: I, I would strange. be amazed if once we don't either get down to very few contenders for the Democratic primary or once we're in the general, that this isn't an issue. I'd be amazed if it wasn't an issue. Yeah. But right now we're at a point where candidates or Democratic candidates are trying to get uh, Democratic voters to fall in love with them. They're just and, trying to get it, seen at this point. <laughs> they're, trying, they're, they're trying to pop enough so that they can make the next debate. And in fact, the debates were structured to play up the differences between the candidates. And I have a feeling that just about every Democratic candidate is going to agree that Donald Trump let down the miners,
1: And that may be one reason why it didn't come up during the debates. Uh, well, in any case, hat tip to my friend and former NPR colleague Howard Berkus. He uh, sent me a message online this week and said, hey, you got to talk about this bananas coal story on your show this week. Eric, you have three words? I do. What are they? Streaming
3: wars loom. Uh So I'm in town for the TV Critics Press Tour. This (laughs) is this mega event that happens twice a year where everybody who's anybody in the TV industry does a series of press conferences in front of journalists to show us what they've been up to for the next six months. Is that fun? Um, it can be fun. <laughs> For the first also, 30 shows. It's <laughs> also an endurance test, yeah. uh, believe me. Yeah. But the big deal now is mm-hmm. that there are so many streaming services that are going to be coming at folks over the next six months. List or so. them. Okay, so we've got. Apple TV Plus. We mm-hmm. don't have a firm date on when that's going to happen, okay. uh, but Apple has spent something like two billion dollars developing new content wow. for it. Disney Plus mm-hmm. comes in November. Mm-hmm. Warner Media is creating a streaming site. What's on that? That, that will unite TNT, TBS, CNN. Uh, it's it's all the stuff that AT&T bought, gotcha. HBO, Cinemax, so all these things. So basically what
2: you're telling us is that even if we cut the cable, we're still going to be paying still dollars to month. Of course,
3: you're still going you, to be paying. So, okay. so HBO Max debuts sometime in the spring. HBO Go Plus or whatever it is. You, you can have more. that. You yeah. can retain that. But if you want all the extra stuff- what? You have you'll have to buy. This HBO is too
1: Max. much. What wait, extra
3: wait, extra I'm extra. not done yet. Wait, wait, wait. <laughs> and so now Comcast and M- NBC is going to have a service that they have not named yet. Okay. That will start in April of 2020. Uh, that is where The Office will live. Oh, this Friends will Netflix. live on HBO Max. It will go away from Netflix. Friend uh, is uh, Friends is going, HBO going to HBO Max. HBO Max. I am confused. Uh, HBO Max will all. also have <laughs> Doctor Who new okay. new new episodes of Doctor Who courtesy of BBC America. So, this time
1: next year, we are you think you're drowning in TV? You crazy. will be deluge with. So it. then what does that mean for someone who loves to watch streaming TV? Like yeah. is a, is this new stuff going to be good? What I think we're gonna have uh-huh. is a whole
3: lot of okay TV. <laughs> I've <laughs> talked about this before. That doesn't like, sound golden age. You don't at get pe- yeah. people people yeah. people come to me that are, oh, there's gonna be a ton of crappy TV. No, not a ton of bad TV. Mm-hmm. It's gonna be a ton of okay TV.
2: I have a question that might be obvious and stupid, but what does that mean for the cable industry?
3: Good question. Well, what it means, I think, is that they're gonna have even more cord cutting. And they're going to have to figure out a way to uh, hype up the streaming options that they have, mm-hmm. because the the one thing that people don't realize is that with a, uh, with a cable subscription, you often get access to streaming sites. Yeah, like, like I have say, HBO AB's, and I
2: get HBO Go. You get cha- yeah.
3: you get HBO Go, or you know, uh, if you have uh, cable, sometimes you have uh, free access to ABC's streaming site, or mm-hmm. you have free access yeah. to Lifetime's. Yeah. You know, and you and you have to pay. Otherwise, so uh,
1: they'll have to hype that up more. Well, I will probably not be paying any more money for more streaming. I got my little two or three right now. That's gonna be it. It's will expensive. You buy more? It's expensive.
2: I don't know. It depends on what's on offer and mm-hmm. compared to what we have. You know, I live with somebody who doesn't like change, so
4: <laughs> <laughs> I'm, like, I'm not. <laughs> now, Sam, I,
3: I know you said what you said, but the minute somebody comes out with a TV show that you want to see. You are gonna pay for it? You know you are. Well <laughs> he's Time to don't even play individually,
2: <laughs> and then yeah. realize he's spending so much
3: money he might as well stream the, the, the minute exactly. the Bachelor, the Bachelor and Bachelorette reruns. If there shift. Was a, listen,
1: <laughs> if there was a like behind the scenes Bachelor Bachelorette TV show that I could, that I'd have to pay streaming to watch, you bet your bottom no, dollar. All right, I'm oh, it. All right, Apple, you, you have heard
3: what it real takes
1: to get Sam's dollar? Yes.
2: Queer Eye and some other all stuff. All of that. I'll Count me in.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah. It is time for a break. Coming up, we're going to talk about the interest rate. This week, the Fed lowered it. Usually, the Fed drops the interest rate when the economy is in recession to boost the economy. This time, the Fed lowered the rate, even though the economy is booming. We'll tell you why and whether you should worry. All right. You're listening to It's Been a Minute
0: from NPR. We'll be right back. This message comes from NPR sponsor Berkshire Hathaway Home Services. With a franchised network of highly trained agents and advanced marketing tools, Berkshire Hathaway Home Services network members aim to provide something more than just real estate. They think beyond the next transaction and build relationships based on your long-term goals to ensure you'll get all the value that home brings year after year, home after home. All that more they do, that's home services. Start your home search at berkshirehathawayhs.com. Support also comes from Netflix presenting the highly anticipated third season of Dear White People. This season, the characters will follow their hearts and passions, shed layers of identity, and take on the issues that plague them in radical new ways. If last season was about uncovering the hidden truths that hold us back, this season is about shedding the beliefs that hold us back from revolution. Graded A by Entertainment Weekly, Volume 3 of the critically acclaimed series Dear White People is now streaming only on Netflix. Netflix. I'm Shankar Vedantam. This week on Hidden Brain, we kick off our annual summer series,
1: You 2.0. Ideas and advice about how you can respond to life's chaos.
2: Let's do a just check to my inbox. Just check, just check, just check to my phone real quick.
1: With wisdom. Listen to Hidden Brain from NPR every week. We are back. You're listening to It's Been a Minute from NPR, the show where we catch up on the week that was. I'm Sam Sanders, joined at NPR West in studio with two guests. NPR TV critic Eric Deggins and NPR correspondent Karen Grigsby-Bates of our Code Switch team covering race, ethnicity, and culture. Thank you both for being here. Happy to be here. You My pleasure. You both dressed up wearing blazers in studio. I'm studio. It's
2: because it's cold in here. <laughs> <laughs> Don't take it too seriously. <laughs>
1: I'm headed off to a hotel ballroom where it's always cold. So. Yeah. So um, after weeks of hand wringing from inside and outside of the money industry, the Federal Reserve announced an interest rate cut of 0.25%. It's the first time the Fed has dropped the interest rate in a decade. Uh, And usually as these things go, the Fed doesn't lower the interest rate until they really think the economy needs a boost when it's in recession. Uh, But our economy right now, as you both know, is not in recession. This has some folks scratching their heads. So, yeah, people are worried about this. What does it mean, yeah, bubble's et cetera? Kind of I don't know what it means. So I called up someone smart who could tell me all about it. Uh, her name is Stacey Vanek-Smith. She's one of the co-hosts of NPR's daily economics podcast, The Indicator. I actually talked to her on interest rate drop day, and she explained it all to me. Stacey, we are talking to you in this week that the Fed has made really big news, cutting yes. interest rates on a scale of like zero to Super Bowl. How big is this for an economics reporter?
4: <laughs> you know, it, it's like a it's like a playoffs game, I would say. Okay. I mean, Super okay. Bowl's a high bar. Um, <laughs> yes. We'll say. Yeah, we'll say it's like a playoffs game for sure.
1: Okay, good, good, good. Speaking of games, explain this game for me, like whose rates, how, when, for how long? Like, what exactly is that?
4: That is a very good question. So the Federal Reserve is cutting interest rates. So that means that the interest rates on on some loans that people take out will go down. It lowered it a quarter percentage point to a range because it's like different kinds of loans have different interest rates. So the range is now two to two and a quarter percent. Um, okay. And- And essentially, that is just taking back the interest rate hike that the Fed did back in December. And when the Fed raises interest rates, it's usually a sign that it thinks the economy is sort of strong enough to withstand higher interest rates. Um, And so but the cut is sort of this preemptive strike against worries that the economy is going to potentially go south.
1: Gotcha. And so how will the average American feel this Fed interest rate cut? In their pocketbooks.
4: Well, loans uh, are likely to get a little cheaper. So if you're taking out a big loan, like a home loan or a student loan, it's likely the interest rate on that loan will be cheaper. And part of this is why the Fed lowers interest rates when it's trying to juice the economy a little bit, because, you know, people tend to borrow more when interest rates are lower because it makes the loan a little cheaper. Your payments are lower. People get a little more, you know, fast and loose. And so do businesses. And that tends to get people spending more money and kind of more money circulating through the economy.
1: Gotcha. Gotcha. So my biggest question is, Why do the Fed, or not the Feds, why does the Fed want to lower the rate? Like, Are there any indicators that are setting off alarm bells for them? Because so many of the big top line indicators that I see, like the unemployment rate, are great.
4: Well, this is why this move is so controversial. I mean, yes, you're totally right. The unemployment rate is at almost a 50-year low. The stock market is really high. I mean, you know, this is like a good time in the economy. And yet the Fed is taking action that one would expect it to take if things were not doing well. And the reason for this is it's a couple of things. One, that growth in other countries has been slowing down in Europe and China. Huh. And the other thing is, of course, the trade war. There's like everybody's mm. waiting for the fallout of these tariff that we've put in place against China. And and that's part of the reason why people suspect that that the economy might go south.
1: Gotcha. I've also read that the Fed might be worried about the rate of inflation. What's that about?
4: So what happens is when the Fed lowers interest rates, it gets more money kind of circulating around the economy. Uh, People Uh are spending more. People are borrowing more. There's just kind of more money around. And at a time like right now when the unemployment rate is really, really low – so, you've got businesses competing for workers because there aren't very many people who are unemployed and looking for jobs. So, the way businesses yeah. compete for workers in certain cases is to offer them higher salaries. And uh-huh. so part of what happens there is sometimes businesses will raise the prices of the stuff they sell to make up for the higher salaries they're offering. And then mm-hmm. workers will demand higher salaries in order to pay for stuff that is getting more expensive. And voila, inflation. Inflation is just a fancy way of saying prices go up. And so gotcha. there is a big worry that if the Fed sort of juices the economy too much, gets too much money pumping through, that like it ends up pushing prices up. And suddenly the value of our dollar starts to go down. Things get more expensive. And that can be a really destructive thing. Economists are always really scared of inflation.
1: Gotcha. So then the Fed has done this. They're trying to get ahead of a potential drop-off in the economy. They're getting ready for whatever might happen. How should everyday Americans get ready for this? You know, I read this news about the interest rate dropping, and I said to myself, well, what should I be doing to get ready for dark days ahead? I don't know.
4: You know, it's a really hard thing to prepare for. Um, you know, should you yank all of your money out of the market? Like, I think every investment advisor would say no, you just kind of leave it in and weather the storm. I mean, at the end of the day, you know, you have faith in the U.S. economy or you don't, you know, and it's sort of a long term <laughs> thing if you're investing money. Right. Um, so I think you, believe you, know, you, me just, or you don't. Yeah, you know, so you just kind of leave your money in there. I mean, all, you know, most of my money in the stock market is in the form of a, you know, retirement fund, a 403B. And I mean, I'm not going to move it around or anything, I don't think. Um, you know, some yeah. people are buying gold or investing in cryptocurrencies. Of course, getting very hot is like sort of a safe place outside of the economy. But, you know and, and also you know I feel like we never know what these things are going to look like like the housing crisis who could have known how tangled mortgage loans were with like the whole rest of the economy there was just no way to know what's going to go down sometimes so You know, I think you just try to save some money.
1: Yeah. And try to stay informed by listening to a daily podcast all about the economy called The Indicator.
4: (laughs) Highly recommend. That's a very good course of action. Very solid course of action.
1: Stacey Vanek-Smith, co-host of NPR's The Indicator from Planet Money. Thank you so much, Stacey.
4: Oh, you're so welcome!
1: Happy Fed interest rate day!
4: Yes, happy Fed interest rate day. <laughs> I wonder how would you celebrate that day?
1: Take out a loan.
4: I'm gonna go get a
1: mortgage for a home go today.
4: Take out a loan, Sam. <laughs> <laughs> it's happening. All
1: right, it's time for a break. When we come back, no more economy talk and have a lot of fun playing my favorite game. Who said that?
2: Yes. You're right. listening to
1: It's Been a Minute from NPR. We will be right back.
0: Mmm, mmm, mmm. Support for this NPR podcast and the following message come from BetterHelp. BetterHelp offers licensed professional counselors who specialize in issues such as depression, stress, anxiety, and more. Connect with your professional counselor in a safe and private online environment at your convenience. Get help at your own time and your own pace. Schedule secure video or phone sessions plus chat and text with your therapist. Visit BetterHelp.com minute to learn more.
2: Support for NPR and the following message come from Sattva. Sattva luxury mattresses are every bit as elegant as the most expensive brands, but because they're sold online, they're about half the price. Visit com slash NPR and save an additional $200. Do you ever wish you could get your stories in three hours rather than three minutes? Or maybe you're sick of doom scrolling, getting your news in bits and pieces. That is where embedded comes in. We bring you documentary series that will change the way you think about things. Find us wherever
4: you get your podcasts. To restore your faith in humanity, get the StoryCorps podcast from NPR. Uninterrupted conversations between real people about the things that matter most. This season, we're hearing from LGBTQ voices and what life was like before Stonewall, from lesser-known victories to conversations across generations. Listen to all 12 episodes now.
1: We're back. You're listening to It's Been a Minute from NPR, the show where we catch up on the week that was. I'm Sam Sanders here this week with two guests, Karen Grigsby-Bates, NPR correspondent covering race, ethnicity, and culture for our Code Switch team. And Eric Deggins, resident NPR TV critic. First Never. full-time NPR TV critic, yes. right? Yep. Look at mm-hmm. you. So Thank fun you. fact about charm, Eric Deggins. <laughs> a lot of your homework for your job is just watching a bunch of TV and I saw you in action at, at one point this week and when you're watching the TV things on your computer screen you have this really awesome chair lean back <laughs> it's hard to describe Eric is just my low right <laughs> that's right he's it's also amazing.
2: intently focused on oh, the yeah. screen Laser so focused. you know uh. if there's a fire or something <laughs> we're gonna have to like grab you because you're just like focused yeah. on whatever it yeah. is you're looking at
1: yeah. I will say none of the uh, questions this week are well I can't actually one of them is about TV oh I'll, okay. I'll say that so wait,
3: what's the name of this game again Who Said That who said that who said that Ooh, who said, that? Who
1: said wait, that what is you singing who said that <laughs> <laughs> what is that song you were singing Whoa, I, mean, I,
3: re- I repurposed that? The, uh, the SNL uh, oh What's Up With what's that? that what's up with that what's up with
0: that
1: oh, so cool. who said I like that who that So the game is very simple. I share some quotes from the week. You have to tell me who said that or the story that I'm talking about. Just get close. Uh, Three quotes. Winner gets nothing but bragging rights. All right, ready for the first quote? Yes. Here it is. Quote. Each person who takes the money option will wind up only getting a small amount of money, oh, nowhere near the 125 they could have gotten.
2: It's about the Equifax breach. Yes, Ooh. yes.
1: This is I'm the really most. I'm
2: really annoyed because I'm not going to oh, get any yeah. money. This is <laughs> the
1: most hilarious story. Oh my so, god! So back in 2017, uh, the credit monitoring service Equifax had a big data breach that. Um, potentially touched millions of people like over a hundred million people and as a deal with the FTC to resolve this um, Equifax said we're going to pay out $125 to anyone who was a victim of this data breach go to this website give us the last six of your social and we'll tell you if you were affected if you are affected you can get a $125 check or monitoring of your credit for 10 years. Turns out in the first few days of this deal existing, so many people went to that website and signed up for that check. Uh, the FTC and Equifax had to say later on, actually, too many of y'all are asking for money. We cannot guarantee you that one twenty-five.
2: I hope. That doesn't happen to Social Security.
1: <laughs> Karen, you're really bringing it down this week. I, I
2: just I think about that all the time.
1: But turns out now if everyone that was damaged by this data breach tries to file for that money, they would each get like maybe 31 cents a person. Oh my. They didn't think about, Equifax didn't think about this. I, I think we know now like why this breach happened in the first place. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Ready for the next quote? Quote, I was a little dishonest about something. Since it's out there, and I did say there was something that Peter and I did twice, it was actually four times. The Bachelorette? (laughs) Yes! That was Hannah B., Hannah Brown. Uh, She was the Bachelorette. This week saw the two-night finale, and one of the big storylines of the entire season was whether or not Hannah B. should be shamed for having sex or not with some of these contestants. She sent one guy home, just because he asked her if she was getting busy and she sent him home. And he was like, no, none of your business.
2: I don't watch this show, but I I heard about this. good on you. And (laughs) life is too short. I'm old. I'm going to, you know, stack up my hours for something I care about.
3: Hey, Sam, everything on this show is nonsense. Shh, we have to have a disclaimer the Eric, from the TV
1: critic.
2: Stop bursting my bubble, Eric. At the Eric.
1: table. This is all It's all, all a charade, nonsense. I know, but it's good TV. <laughs> you people are such downers. I know. Anyway, I know. you both are tied. This is the last question, the last quote for all the marbles. Ready? Finger poised on a buzzer. <laughs> Here's the quote. Each character is a hero to someone watching, and we never forget that. Hmm. This is a hard one. It is regarding a very long-standing popular movie franchise.
2: Oh, the Marvel superhero, the Dell superhero.
1: Fast Fast and and Furious. (laughs) (laughs) Hobbs and Shaw. Fast and Furious. Fast and Furious. Oh, that's actually part of Fast and Furious? I gave you a really good hint. So, okay, this week, uh, friend of the show, Eric Schwartzel, who covers the film industry for the Wall Street Journal, he had a piece out. All about how behind the scenes action heroes like Vin Diesel and Jason (laughs) Statham and Dwayne The Rock Johnson, (laughs) they negotiate their fight scenes, yeah, and they choreograph them in a way uh, in which their characters aren't beat up too much. Uh, Yes, they they don't don't want their people too many punches. They yeah yeah they don't want to look as if they're not strong. Yeah, so The Rock. Before every fight scene he's taping, he's negotiating how many hits his character gets and whether or not his character wins.
3: He's the star of the movie. Yes. Of course, he's gonna. But win. like,
1: what's crazy yeah. is this story spooked the studio so much that quote that I read you. It was from a Universal Studios spokesperson to the Wall Street Journal. Wow. <laughs> Basically saying, "Yeah, this happens, but it's everybody's fine. a hero. Everybody's, everybody's a a special." Hero. I'm not going to have anybody on my show trash talking me too much. By the way, you could you could wear a better shirt. You really could.
0: It says in PR, <laughs> My
3: Trash PR. Now I'm gone. I can,
1: I can take away your win,
0: Eric.
1: <laughs> On that note, family, uh, we're going to have to roll out of here. That concludes Who Said That? Eric, you're the winner. Who uh, said that? <laughs> Who said that? <laughs> Keep that in. Now it's time to end the show as we always do. Every Friday we ask our listeners to share with us the best things that have happened to them all week. We encourage folks to brag. They always do. Anjali, hit the tape hi sam and everyone um this is anna in philadelphia and uh, the best part of my week has been sitting here in my kitchen eating this
4: glorious tomato sandwich um, made with a tomato from my garden it's finally tomato season here in this area and the tomatoes are just so so
1: good and um it's the best part of my week so far so thanks guys for everything you're the best
4: hi sam This is DeLorean from Aberdeen, North Carolina. And the best part of my week was having my retirement after 20 years of service in the United
1: States Air Force. I can't wait to see my next adventure.
4: The best thing that happened to me this week was playing a song I wrote at my very first open mic. The best part of my week was
3: crossing the finish line at a 5K in San Francisco this past weekend.
2: The best thing that happened to me this week was dropping my son off to orchestra camp
3: and then picking
2: him up and realizing he has found his people.
3: Hi Sam, this is Fred. The best part of my week is that I just returned to Helena, Montana after riding my bike with the Registered Annual Great Bike Ride across Iowa. Considering two years ago, I was on the verge of obesity and starting to become crippled by rheumatoid arthritis, my bicycle has changed my life.
2: Hi Sam, this is Amanda calling from Grand Junction, Colorado. The best thing that happened to me this week started out with one of the worst things that's happened to me in a while. I was driving back to the University of Idaho where I go to grad school when my car broke down in the middle of the night, in the middle of nowhere. And through the kindness of strangers, I was rescued and returned to Tremont Utah. I had a nice place to sleep. And my boyfriend came and rescued me the next day. And we're probably going to get a new car. (laughs) (laughs) The tourists can't make it anymore. Just a shout out to the folks of Northern Utah that were so kind to me and my fantastic partner. Thanks, Sam.
4: Keep doing what you do. Hope you're having a great week. Bye. Well, that was sweet. Yeah.
1: Thanks again to those listeners. Anna, DeLorean, great name, Paige, Caroline, Paula, Fred, and Amanda. Uh, Thanks to all of you who share your best things with us every week. We listen to all of them. Even if we can't play all of them, keep them coming. They're so inspiring. Also send dog photos. Uh... Cue up, Dark Horse. We're playing Dark Horse because this week a jury determined that this song sounds too much like a Christian rap song. And Katy Perry has to pay some Christian rapper Flame about $3 million. Sorry, Katie. She'd have been better having him as her opening act. I <laughs> think. <laughs> <Yes, laughs> that would have been yes. cheaper. <laughs> yes. Thanks again to my guest, who would never plagiarize a song, Eric Deggins, NPR TV critic, and Karen Grigsby-Bates, NPR correspondent, on our Code Switch team covering race, ethnicity, and culture. So glad y'all both were here. This week, the show was produced by Brent Bachman and Anjali Sastry. Our fearless editors are Jordana Hochman and Alex McCall. Our director of programming is Steve Nelson. Our big boss is NPR's senior VP of programming, Anya Grundman. Till next time, thanks for listening. I'm Sam Sanders. Talk soon. It's a good song. If you say so. I like it. I like it.
0: This message comes from NPR sponsor, Discover. Get the service you deserve. With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card.
4: I'm Rachel Martin. You probably know how interview podcasts with famous people usually go. There's a host, a guest, and a light Q&A. But on Wildcard, we have ripped up the typical script. It's a new podcast from NPR where I invite actors, artists, and comedians to play a game using a special deck of cards to talk about some of life's biggest questions. Listen to Wildcard wherever you get your podcasts. Only from NPR.
0: I'm Jesse Thorne. Why did Cola Scola write a bonkers, extremely fictionalized play about Mary Todd Lincoln?